0: Hi everyone, welcome back to Sustainability Speaks, we are your host Stasia Saskia. Now I don't know if you heard but a few episodes ago Stasia did mention that we might not be together as much on the podcast because we're now living apart so apologies about that it's just me today but I'm excited to welcome Laura Jean. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about Laura Jean and how it all started?
1: Hi there. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Laura. Actually, my second name is Nikolaeva, but somehow throughout the years um, with PR agents thinking it sounds better, we actually added the brand's name back to the name. So a lot of people will know me as Laura Jean. Um, I am the founder and uh, I'm currently the CEO (laughs) uh, of Floragine which is a sustainable fashion company for women's clothes. We have recently added a beauty range as well and we're really trying to do the industry better in all sorts of ways. So that's who I am.
0: And do you personally have a fashion background or a sustainable background?
1: Uh, not really actually my major main education is um in um, first my first education is advertising and my second education is business i've never had a fashion background in terms of um, education but i actually started working in the industry when i was about 15 uh, i used to model then i started uh, working as a makeup artist uh, because i quite well and it was a very you know um I did like makeup for a while about seven years and somehow naturally uh, the idea of having a company came um, because you know there were women and friends around me saying they're missing a couple of things few things and um it was a very natural sort of thing and I have to say that uh, I struggled to articulate how it all started it wasn't this very focused idea about oh you know what I'm going to start a fashion brand it was just basically something I tried and you know people responded really well so it went on really uh and uh, yeah my my education is uh is pretty much in in business and, and advertising but I do feel it's very connected and very helpful as well
0: yeah I can imagine it is and Sometimes the best businesses just happen, don't they? They don't really plan for them to be there.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, and you know what? I mean, I have uh, to say honestly that I do struggle sometimes in this industry because, you know, there is a lot of things which I don't agree with uh, when it comes to how the fashion industry treats women. But I sometimes think that, you know, Maybe something is beyond us, and maybe we should be driving in an industry just for the sake of doing things better for the other people, not for ourselves as much. so um yeah, I'm trying to have a bit of a different perspective of how we can change things, which is not entirely related to my. my own desires uh, and and that's why I often say it's not about my ego trip and what can I do and how can I do it maybe I need to do it for other people you know
0: yeah that's really interesting that's a new perspective that I've not heard before when did you um, start Laura Jean how long ago
1: so, uh, actually, Laura Jean as a concept and 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 as you see it right now, it's relevantly new. It's uh, it's about four years now. Uh, but the Jean as a brand, as as um, you know, a business making clothes, started probably about ten years ago. Now, uh, it was different. It was quite different. Uh, it was actually called Jean, uh, only Jean, and um, we were wholesaling pretty much. It was a very different business model. And um, probably as a style, it was similar, but um, the business model was was entirely different. And at some point, I just sort of paused and um, take a st- took a step back, and just you know, I wasn't happy with the with the volumes, with the way we were operating. I was very actually. At some point, I got really anxious of how you know a small company like mine is is very wasteful in all of our operations simply because, you know, the whole supply chain is designed like that. So I took a step back and I sort of transformed the whole whole brand and I decided that we're going to make it more conscious and more, um, you know, direct to customer as a business model as well, but something that would be again helpful for others uh, rather than just for ourselves because yes of course you have to have a business that you know profits so you can thrive and pay your stuff and you know uh, move on but at the same time not with the cost of of everything else not with the cost of nature not with the cost of you know the natural environment that's around you so I try I, I sort of often say that I try to prove a business case for sustainability, which I feel a lot of us do try to do now, (laughs) you know? Uh, So yeah, it's a, it's relevantly new, but at the same time it has already some, some traction, which is a good thing, you know, uh, for us to realize that we thought there is a genuine need for a brand, which is more inclusive and more, less wasteful and more, normal in a way mm-hmm. <laughs> and somehow people responded so we'll see how it goes
0: yeah oh lovely as you mentioned you said that the style has stayed the same so what sort of style are your clothes what products do you sell
1: so uh if i have to shortly mm-hmm. identify what i'm trying to do is um it's something that's very much connected to my own belief that in this age right now, we are 100%, um, you know, we need to be, as designers, we need to be very conscious. Everything else might come afterwards. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, we've been given all of those things, culture, um Pretty much everything that you can imagine in the world has been invented and, and sort of out there. Uh, when it comes to culture, style design. I feel like we should be very, very conscious about how we design things. And we need to design with you know sustainability in mind, timeless sort of style that will stay for a very long time. And for me, this is a very key thing when it comes to the sustainable the conversation about sustainability. Because you see, if you design with novelty as the only measure, at some point, everything you do is is newness for the sake of newness. Therefore, you pretty much put yourself into this rat race of creating new, new, new all the time, which is exactly the opposite of what sustainability means. So the style of forging has always been about timeless elegance, easy, sort of... Um, feminine approach to clothing um and it kind of stayed like that i think we developed a little bit but that's the major take on on stuff so i would probably say i start with this in mind would i create something that people will wear after 10 years and still look good and still look relevant and that's for me is the key to a lot of issues we have right now
0: yeah i think that's a really good point i don't know if you have seen a lot about this um but at the minute there's a lot of negativity around the brand house of sunny i don't know if you've heard of that brand no. um no they're they're claiming to be a sustainable brand um and that's sort of their business model but at the minute they're doing new drops all the time and they're creating new clothing lines um, okay. and they're yeah. kind of building a hype around their business and people are, are criticizing it a bit because they're saying well it's not a sustainable business model if you're consistently releasing new clothes and new yep. drops similar yep. to Tala as well the um, grace beverly's exercise brand she's also done the same thing where multiple drops multiple Lots of people yep, yep 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 i'm not
1: surprised i don't know the brand in particular yeah. but i do feel i do see that all the time especially you know from bigger businesses trying to mm-hmm. have, um, <laughs> what would you call this? Like circle around the idea that, oh, you know, we are not fully sustainable, but we are trying our best. But then, you know, this brand is about novelty. Yeah. Well, then your whole business model is basically built in the entire opposite idea of what sustainability means. And that's mm-hmm. what I mean. You know, it's been it's been um actually it's been um I'm not saying anything new. I'm not saying anything groundbreaking. You're you probably a lot of your um listeners and and yourself might not have heard of of, um, Victor Papanek, but he was an industrial designer in the the 70s in the U.S., and he was actually one of the first pioneers talking about how industrial design is, you know, one of the worst... um, things that happen to to the world when it comes to particularly about the argument of design. And he was basically saying the same sort of things. We need to find a way to design because, I mean, it's very simple. Listen, everything is designed. You know, the computer that me... That me and you are talking on is design. The glass I'm drinking from is design. Everything is about design, and you have different dimensions of this design. But I feel like right now the emphasis should be on how to turn design into a sustainable um, formula, you know, how to actually apply a sustainable formula on design. Because otherwise, you know, we are pretty much functioning in the same vicious circle and there is no way out because it is by design. Even the business model is by design. What you just said to me now is, is by design, you know? So regardless of what the fabric is, is how much the fabric has this sustainability threads or it's recycled or it's amazing or this and that and whatever, if you continue making volumes and volumes and volumes with, you know, there will be problems somewhere within the supply chain, somewhere within the, you know, the DNA of, of how you sell stuff.
0: Mm. Yeah, definitely. That's also a really good point. If you're buying um, so-called sustainable clothes, if you're consistently buying them, then it goes against everything that what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah,
1: exactly. And and this is also very connected to you know to the um, the. <laughs> There are three pillars of sustainability and it's pretty much, you know, materials, social and and how you function in in general. And the social pillar is is the people. How do you actually get to the price you have? How do you how much do you pay your people? And and you know, quite often I see a brand that sells something for thirty quid and they brand themselves sustainable. And when you make a simple breakdown of the cost from a perspective of someone that understands how costs are, you're like, but how, you know, how much, how, how do you get to make profits based on this cost structure? And this is also related to many other complications, which, you know, um, are part of the conversation. Everything is a bit complex anyway, but trying to simplify things and trying to actually make a, make a good point should be for us to go back and just, review how we design things in the first place and then take a step forward and be like, okay, so if we design with sustainability in mind, let's see what's next. You know, it might be materials, it might be people, it might be this and that. But when we when the design model is broken, and whether this means the design model for the business model itself or the design model for the style itself, that means you're you or you're on the wrong foot to start with, you know?
0: Mm. Yeah, definitely. So who would you say that your typical audience is, um, like age range, side range, um, size, yeah. gender, that sort of thing?
1: So um, like I said, you know, we try to be as inclusive and and even I, I would like to say easy as possible mm-hmm. because, again, for me, this brand is not something about my ego trip and how much I can achieve with that you know it's, it's actually more of a women need someone to listen to what they think and i say women because that's what i understand i understand women um and, and, and anyone who identifies as one um shapes and and that's how i feel i can be mostly helpful but pretty much i would probably say the main audience is you know Women above 25 to 60. It's a very timeless appeal and timeless kind of style. So it's easy to be liked by someone at their 20s and someone at their 50s. You know, it's it's very much, what would you call this, Um, multi generational (laughs) in a way. So um, this is pretty much uh, when it comes to gender, everyone is welcome as long as, as as long as they like it. I feel like this is an imperative that we cannot, the, you know, um, there is no reason of even discussing it at this point because you know, twenty first century, we should be able to move forward and and don't dwell in this whether this is right or wrong or whatever um and um size range we are trying really to be as inclusive as possible so we go up to 30 uk but we also try if someone doesn't find his his or her size uh to um sort of you know try a custom very often this is not the case so pretty much everything we can do is is out there already but yeah we what I would probably say is that we are very inclusive Uh, we do target some very specific range of people very specific target group which is like I said you know people that feel and align in the same way that we do and that would be you know um, harmonious sort of balance in between business nature people all of this so I feel like Lodging customers are very typical customers, and yet it could be anyone when it comes to age and size and gender.
0: Yeah, I've got to agree. I, when I was doing my research on your brand, I looked at this with my mom and grandma, and we all would wear the clothes. It's very, like you say, it's very multi generational. They're really, they, they aren't aged, age appropriate. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: And that's also very connected to, to what I was talking about earlier about the sustainable design. You know, if, if a garment is made well, and unfortunately, sorry for you know, jumping, but unfortunately this opposes the um, general idea of capitalism because you need more and more and more and mm-hmm. more and profit more. And, but I do feel like there is a way to win this. If you actually create a product, which is original enough, but it also appeals to quite a few generations because then on based on that you can pretty much you know widen your um target range quite a lot so i do feel like one of the key solutions when it comes to sustainability is within the design itself
0: yeah would you say that is what sets you apart from other retailers or do you have other sustainable methods that you think are also important
1: so i i try you know, I feel like I, I try, we try to stay in our own lane and, and, you know, avoid the constant comparison, whether we are good or bad, or because again, this is, I feel like, you know, we're going to win everything if you, if there is a, a, a big group of entrepreneurs who are actually trying to do things which are in genuine need, and they do it with, you know, with purpose in mind, rather than just to buy things and and make profits and of course this is a very big part of the argument but it's not the major core purpose of the product so what i would probably say when it comes to how we are different is one of the things that is that you know i own my own production which actually is a very small one but still it's extremely helpful and um it's you know it gives you freedom you're independent And you don't have to comply with you know when you outsource unfortunately you have to comply with minimum quantities with uh, different kind of um you know conditions and of course we do outsource ourselves as well but in a very small amount in very small percentage of the supply chain so um, i would probably say we're slightly different than others when it comes to inclusivity, because we have a big size range, uh, when it comes to, you know, independency, because a lot of people do, um, are, are dependent on, you know, stakeholders and, uh, sorry, shareholders, I meant, and, uh, you know, big investments and stuff, which again, is somewhere down the road anyway. Um, when it comes to transparency, You know, I have a bit of a problem with this sort of concept myself because I don't think transparency indexes or transparency in general is very helpful. And and I will tell you why. As much as I understand the needs to something like that and, you know, having people where businesses are making their products and how they treat their um, stuff and and the whole, you know, uh, everyone in the supply chain, I don't see any practical tool how you can regulate that. So what if you know if I treat my stuff badly? What, you know, what if you know that? And no one, no one, no company in the whole entire planet will ever be transparent about treating bad their stuff. So they will be transparent about things which are apparently, you know, um, where they work. But what can you do as as a customer? Who can regulate that? No one. We live in a in a free market, in a free society. It's democracy, you know. So, I think that is a bit of um, I you know, I don't know. It's it's a bit of um. I feel like people should start looking into other things rather than just transparency indexes. Uh, and my, I don't really you know push too much to be transparent because. We are transparent, you know, you can go check and we are also a B Corp certified business. So B Corp pretty much looks at every single part of your supply chain and and the way the business operates. How do you, you know, utilize resources? How do you use resources in general? So in that sense, we are B Corp. So we might be different from that, but I feel like um, the major difference is 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 in the, in the take, in the way we approach things. You know, the design, the, the fact that we are trying to be very inclusive in pretty much everything we do. And um, maybe also, you know, this balanced approach to everything. Um, I suppose that's pretty much the difference I would highlight. What
0: about the materials and fibres? Do you use traditional materials or do you have a new range?
1: um so when it comes to materials i'm very much known about using mainly silk yeah. because it's one of the major materials that i work with i feel for me as this uh, someone that creates clothes this is like closest to me i feel i can thrive better with um with this kind of you know um material especially in the in the style i'm approaching but um you know the Conversation about materials have become very complex as well. Mm-hmm. I prefer to work with traditional materials. I don't mind innovation. I'm actually quite a big fan of innovation. But I do feel there is so much unexplored um, avenues when it comes to natural fibers. And just because people don't know, they're jumping into things which sound, which might sound sexier or you know some like more more in, innovative for something. But quite often this proves to be not the best strategy so i do feel like staying within the traditional lane for me for what i do and especially you know silk cotton linen are amazing fibers that when you treat them well uh and you know how to treat them well they will they will return the favor let's put it that way figuratively Figuratively, talking so yeah yeah I, i um we do we do do some innovations, but in general, the major source when it comes to materials is, you know, materials which are on stock, because that's the most environmentally friendly way of sourcing. Um, you don't make more. You just basically use what's out there. So I often even say we rescue materials. You know, someone left over 20 meters of silk and I'm just going to make 10 dresses or something and, and there you go. <laughs> so, Yeah. Definitely traditional uh, in that sense, but that doesn't mean I don't like innovation. I just feel like um, we are still far off many, many things in, in innovative materials.
0: Yeah, We just don't know yet enough. Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose that goes back to the conversation we had earlier as well. It's like uh, denim, for example, is really water intense and creating jeans is quite bad for the environment. But... If you have one pair of jeans and it lasts you twenty years, then that's not an issue. Yeah. If it's exactly,
1: it's all in the volumes and the circularity. And listen, a lot of people will oppose many things that I would probably say, but I feel like we should stay relevant to the time now (laughs) Mm -hmm. because you know what? Sometimes. I'm a creative person. Sometimes I really want to do this puff sleeve dress which is amazing or you know just to do like 20 meters of silk and, because fashion is about novelty and has been about novelty. But does it supposed to stay like that? Because it always has been like that? I don't know. You know, I don't know. The fact that we are facing so many issues and the fact that this is one of the most needlessly polluting industries in the world says a lot about how we function. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like if we keep on attaching ourselves to how it was and what fashion is about, we're helping ourselves. Because, you know, uh, before the industrial revolution, for instance, many industries weren't about making machines just for the sake of business. I'm giving a very... You know, simplified example, but that's the truth. That's 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 the truth. We've done things fifty years ago. We used to not measure GDP as the major economic measure for you know um, for sort of like a better life and and you know the world moving forward. But now we do, and obviously that's not good as well. So it's also I I feel like there's there are a lot of arguments around around that which can be um you know based on what it was and how it was and if you look at the fashion industry right now even look at the fashion weeks everything is is based on so much waste and to some extent i'm okay with that because it's a show it's about you know what's new and and, and expressing yourself and but i do feel like at this point in time we need to move away from this as much as possible.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much
1: any other industry out there as well. You know.
0: Yeah, I think we will do as well. I've seen a new trend now about creating a capsule wardrobe, um, yeah. so having like just distinct pieces, and it, it's inevitable. It's going to have to go that way, and I think it will do.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I feel, I feel, I feel positive about things. I feel negative about the time, you know, the pace that things are going with. But I do feel um, younger people will demand better practices, better products. I hope so. At least, you know, I'm hopeful. So,
0: yeah. Just going off of that, so how important do you think sustainability is for individuals to keep in mind when they are shopping?
1: See, I'm one of those people that will definitely try and in a personal conversation, I will definitely try and convince you that, you know, it's much better for you and for everyone else for you to buy from a local company that you know better, that it's closer to you, that you can actually check their practices and their ethical approach to the supply chain or something like that. But as someone that sort of understands how business functions... I would um, take a step back and just, um, you know, refigure simply because again, we function in a free market economy. Customers, consumers, and consumers are not able to affect the decision that businesses make. And also we don't, you know, from a business perspective, you don't function in a perfect competition. So you com- you compete with other companies based on many things, price, advantages, you know, location, so many other things. So I am someone that would very much try not to blame it on consumers, mm-hmm. you know, because I do feel like... Um, There has been a lot of conversations around this and I feel like there's a lot of, you know, finger pointing, oh, you should buy this, you should buy that. A lot of people are very much also deprived in in terms of, you know, choices because of many things from size to um, income to many other things. So I would. Definitely be very balanced when I approach the um, argument about whether people should be the one responsible for, yes, of course, you do cast an economic vote when you buy from someone like me, you know, aligning with the company and everything like that. But then, you know, there are so many people who are just, you know, messaging and saying, oh, I would love to buy it, but I just can't afford it. Or, you know, um, I would love to buy it, but I just feel like, you know, right now I shouldn't buy anything, or or this or that. Oh, you know, there are so many arguments behind this. So I feel like it's really important that people are aware and people are conscious about what they cast their vote in, you know, and how they uh, they buy. But what I would probably say is just, you know, buy less, choose better is a very good um, is a very good appeal which we can all make, but blaming consumers for something that businesses do is not something I would definitely, uh, you know, I, I don't support this argument. I feel like, uh, the ethical consumer is, uh, is a concept that has been out there since the seventies. And there are so many people and individuals who are really trying their best. You know, they, they, they buy from the best companies. They, um, you know, save money and and invest in those companies. And and unfortunately, the statistics and the numbers show that this doesn't change much. It didn't change much because, again, you as a consumer or I as a consumer, we can cast our votes, but we cannot still uh, regulate how businesses operate, especially when it comes to, you know, bigger businesses. Because for me, every single person is important. But for someone like, h&m you know we're talking about billions of people Mm. so it's a it's a very very complex argument and i often stay uh very neutral to it with with what i just said i just feel like we shouldn't blame consumers for should make them aware ask them invite them but we shouldn't blame consumers for the things that businesses have created you know
0: Yeah it's definitely such a tricky conversation because there's so many sides to it and I especially feel like also a lot of consumers aren't necessarily aware of a lot of issues especially when it comes to things like H&M's conscious line they are actually tricking people into thinking that this is um, a conscious line that it is environmental and the ultimately these lines are not they are massive greenwashing tools but it's so difficult for so many people to be able to recognize this and understand this when they're being told that it is conscious
1: yeah but you see going back to what i said about transparency as well they have topped up the transparency index Mm -hmm. you know like we there's this small group of people which are thousands of people in the end of the day but it's still a very relevant and small group of people within the sustainability movement which do understand all of those things and they will jump on and say no no this is not right There's are still greenwashing but how relevant is that to someone let's say like your you know, a friend of your mom's who has never been part of that, who Mm -hmm. is just like a, you know, a normal um, woman that works in, let's say, I don't know, law. And she has no time. She has two kids, no time to be involved in all of those things. She's she's not on social media 24 seven. She has her own life and I am sorry, but I don't think anyone should blame her, you know? And then you basically just point your finger up and say, oh, you're a bad person because you buy from this and that. No, that's, you know, that's not. And again, I mean, if it was working, why didn't we change anything since the seventies? Because this concept has arrived even earlier you know 60s i think something like that so i do feel like the the key is is business business is what creates value you know business is what creates value it's always been in the world there are advocates people um, talking about things but the major chunk the major key solutions always sits in business Mm -hmm. and businesses are these people that should actually change things. So my take is always what can we do as entrepreneurs creators? And because, you know, even if someone is barking or fighting me every single day, if my business model is based on waste and exploitation, and there is nothing I can do. And I often even said to people, Do you believe that, you know, all of the people working in H&M are best people? And what is the solution for them when we say, okay, you know what? They shouldn't exist. Because they shouldn't exist if we actually have to be completely honest. Their motto is built on waste. It's, It's what I told you, even as a style, you know, it's like newness for the sake of newness. Every two months, new collection and this and that and millions of pieces and all in a very, very, very low price point. So... Of course, their their whole models are based on exploitation and waste. But what is the solution we have for those people? And and I often, you know, sit somewhere down the sidelines and a lot of people don't want to listen to someone like me because, you know, it's one thing to talk about things. It's another thing to make it. And when you sit from the side of... um, someone who is actually aware of, of supply chains, homeless, who is actually doing it every day, you're aware of, you know, um, all the complications you have because it is not easy, you know? The one thing that's very easy is to, to talk on, about things on, on social media. And I do commend a lot of people who are trying to make people aware. But this is just a very tiny first step of things. We need the whole complete renovation Mm -hmm. of how we function as an industry
0: yeah do you think that can come from the government or do you think that's something that businesses need to decide as a group
1: i feel like it's a mixture of things but i don't feel i actually that's the that's one of the other things i don't agree with a lot of people would say governments should regulate how if you actually understand how economic functions Mm. and uh, the fact that we live in a functional democracy, especially in the developed countries, how do you regulate a free market? You know, you can't. I mean, we live in a global world and markets are more and more and more liberalized every single day. What does a government has as a tool to regulate your prices? They can't. Of course, governments do have some regulations, and I am very much about. You know, I'm very much a supporter of those. I'm very much like you should impose uh, labor laws. You should impose minimum wages. You should impose. These are all things which I believe every sensible human being will agree with, definitely. But it's way more complex than that. You can't just say, "Oh, governments should you know should regulate business." This doesn't happen. It opposes the very own idea of how democracy functions. So I do feel like it's somewhere in between, it's somehow a mixture in between governments, co- consumers and businesses, but the main steps are sitting in businesses. We need to find a way to come up with renovated, innovative business models, which are based on um, circularity, on, mm-hmm. you know, sustainable growth, even if that means not making that much money. And I'm just going to give you an example. I, as a brand, realized that if I can grow to a certain point where I can still be relatively sustainable, after that point, it's impossible, not because I don't want to, because this is how it functions. You extract things from the earth so you can make your product, whichever the product is, you know, you need to extract. So my... And of course, this is just my take on it. It doesn't have to be relevant to anyone, but I, my take is, okay, so then let's see how we can, instead of extracting, make it. And make it in a circular, natural, synchronized kind of way. So for me, for instance, is, okay, I need silk. I need raw materials. Maybe I can start making silk. And how do I make silk in a circular, vertical sort of supply chain? You know, And then the conversation becomes very technical so I don't want to bore anyone but what I'm saying is maybe we should tap into categories which are not the same in what we drive in and maybe we should you know just look at how we have the supply chain for instance instead of growing the number of clothes we sell maybe we grow the people that make our clothes maybe instead of you know um, pay and outsource more, maybe we buy the factory, we make it better, we make it more efficient and in the same time, you know, we give them better conditions. Of course, these are all just, you know, suggestions. I don't I don't have the solutions for everyone, I'm afraid, but I do feel like if we start re-evaluating the way we function, if we start basing our profits and, and growth on, other things than grow just in one category, sell more, enjoy economies of scale. This is a very, very wrong frame of business, obviously, because if it wasn't, we wouldn't be here, you know. And also, I feel like it doesn't really create wealth in the same, you know, it creates wealth for individuals. It doesn't create wealth for so I feel like there are many things we can do, and and hopefully I'll try and do my best to do it myself as well. Mm-hmm. So
0: would you say that's your goal for the next five or ten years, or do you have other goals as well as?
1: Yeah, my main uh, my main objectives right now mm-hmm. is to um, grow the company a bit more. Uh, I'm in, very much involved in a project to revive silk manufacturing in Bulgaria trying to find finance at the moment but you know it's a completely zero waste process and also it involves mainly giving I'm, I'm going to simplify but basically to make silk you need to put you need to make wood first you need to you know make the forest of mulberry tree for first the plantations and that means nurturing nature before everything else and I feel like a lot of solutions for a lot of companies might sit somewhere there, you know. We are struggling with raw materials. We are struggling with people in the supply chain, craftsmanship, technicians, people that can, you know, that can move on uh, and, and make this industry like We are really, really struggling. People don't want to try in that, you know. It's about technology. The whole bubble is, is growing and growing and growing. At some point, it's going to burst and we'll be like, okay, we don't have seamstresses always going to make our clothes you know just just of course this is just an example but yeah that's that's the major goal my major goal is to sort of transform the way a classic company a, a classic clothing company retail company can function and still thrive while being kind to nature
0: hopefully we'll see that happen not just in your business but in all sort of fashion houses across the world
1: yeah, I think there are some great companies out there, some yeah. great people. I just feel like we are very much conditioned to thrive in, oh, you know, we should be best in this and we should thrive in this. I don't, I think that's not relevant as well. I think we should go back and review and and just try and find a way so we can, as businesses, we can affect and impact on uh, on on all levels of the supply chain and that's that's one of the i think that's one of the major objectives people should go back to
0: thank you very much for joining us today laura to discuss not only laura jean but also the fashion industry at the moment and the future this was a very interesting conversation and i hope the listeners enjoyed it just as much as i did as usual, we'll be linking all the links to Laura Jean in the description. So take a look down there if you're interested. And just thanks again for
1: joining us. Thank you very much for having me. I hope um, they will, everyone listening to this will enjoy it. And, um, yeah, have a good summer, all of you. And hopefully I'll speak to you again someday.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to check out others and follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn for more updates.